Hey, I'm Kyle. I'm Dave. And I'm Brad. And this is the So What podcast from Theology in the Middle. Hey, have you guys ever wondered what role our emotions play in our faith and in our spiritual walk? I love, hate, and am excited about this question. <laughs> it's good. Here, here's what I mean by, by this. Um, I, I sense that there are two extremes that people will want to run to when it comes to emotions and faith. And the first extreme is one that we're probably most familiar with, this emotionalism, where um, kind of the goal of, of worship or, or our spiritual disciplines is to just conjure up within us some kind of sense of majesty and glory and love and longing and belonging. And uh, if we're not feeling that, then something's wrong. Like we're distant from God, sin has entered into the picture, and our spiritual walk becomes peaks of emotion and valleys of emotion, where at the peak we feel like we're closest to God because we're happiest, we feel the most joy, and in the valley we feel sorrow, sadness, anxiety, those types of things. And our faith kind of feels like our emotions are in the steering wheel, right? But then on the other side, the other extreme, uh, is this kind of stoic approach to Christianity, where stoicism is this idea that um, you have to transcend your emotions because things around you are, are out of your control, and the only thing you can control is your emotions. Therefore, to get along in life and to find happiness, you have to kind of zero out, neutralize your emotions, become like Spock. And, uh, and, and for people that are wary of the emotionalist side of things, uh, they've adopted this kind of, you know, cold structure in their faith where they're going to avoid emotions at all cost, uh, to avoid following into that kind of revivalistic, um, uh, ups and downs of, of faith. You know what I'm saying? Do you experience that in your churches or in your own personal life? For sure. Yeah, I think I... I probably have fell into both ditches at one point or another on any given day, to be honest. But, um, but yeah, I think that's true. And I think, you know, part of me says that this is nothing new, that, that God's people have always struggled with this um, tension between emotions and, uh, and stoicism. While you're describing that, I was thinking about the apostles and, um, you know, hmm. certain of them stick out as more hot-headed, like Peter, than others. And you just know that God has made us as feelers. You know, we do feel. And um, some of us act on those more than others, I guess. But um, maybe I'm a feeler. I don't know. But, yeah. I have a lot of thoughts on this, but it feels like a bunch of noodles of spaghetti just kind of on top of each other. I don't know that I can uh, take out one strand and see it for what it is. I'll say that I've been in seasons where particularly early on in my faith, I felt a lot, you know, you just felt the presence of the Lord and you went to church and we'd sing a song and I'd get the, uh, the Holy, Holy ghost bumps, you know, on your arms and the hair on your neck would stand and you just can't help but raise your hands in worship or at the point the sermon would kick in and you'd cry. And I would think, man, the spirit is really moving in me because yeah. in my flesh, I wouldn't respond to this, but I'm just broken. I'm cut to heart. I feel so much. And that felt like greatness. And then I think I got to a place where, um, 
feeling started to be the compass of discerning and uh, deciding on what the will of the Lord is. I, f- I feel a real peace about whether or not I should take this job. I, I, I you know, I, I have some apprehension about this and maybe that's the Lord through my conscience telling me to beware and, um, feelings make a terrible Holy spirit. Uh, we have a helper and he can utilize our emotions, but I even knew a pastor that would hire one of his questions before hiring anyone on staff was when's the last time the gospel made you cry? And for a long time, I thought that that was such a good question, because if you're not moved by the atoning work of Christ on your behalf and his, you know, sinless death and innocent death, because of we're guilty, like then you're cold hearted and you don't feel. Then I kind of went to the other side where I probably thought, man, what a manipulative question, you know, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. we, we make a joke in our household that the only person who does things when they feel like it all the time is a baby. Uh, that God loves a cheerful giver doesn't mean don't give today. If you don't feel like it, it means get cheerful and give, you know, yeah. you get what you get and <laughs> you don't pitch a fit. And so uh, a maturity turned into obedience, even when the feelings aren't there. And I think I graduated mm-hmm. into that school. Like, Hey, I don't feel like honoring God today. And yet I know that he's worthy and he's called me to, and even despite on how I feel, I'm going to obey and ask the spirit's help. And then I think I definitely fell into the other ditch of just strict stoicism, <laughs> you know, like that the person who um, can smile at the funeral has the most faith in God or something like that, you know what I mean? And uh, I think in that moment, in that season, really, and, I, and like you said, Brett, I probably yo-yo between the two every day. I was really moved by the fact that Jesus is fully God and fully man and experiences the full gamut of Mm. emotions throughout the gospel that he experienced grief and temptation and compassion and stress and love and empathy. And he was astonished and he was disappointed and he was, believe it or not to some, they may be shocked to hear he was happy and he smiled and he told jokes and he had friends. Um, And that Jesus wept at a funeral and that didn't mean that he didn't have faith in the resurrection because he was the resurrection Mm -hmm. in the life. Yeah. Uh, And so now I, I I know that emotions have a role in faith. I don't really know how to delineate and describe what role they have. So I'm so thankful to talk to you guys who can teach me and tell me. Well, I mean, going off of what you just said about Jesus, then um, if Jesus experienced the full range of human emotions, then emotions in themselves are not, what positive negative righteous sinful they are just there or or what i mean how would you put it i think one thing we can draw from that is uh, we can't say that having emotions is sin Uh, christ was sinless and to watch him experience the full gamut of human emotion from happiness and joy to sorrow um in a sense gives us comfort knowing that those kinds of experiences that we have God incarnate had himself, and that this is part of, Brad, you said earlier, that God made us as emotional beings, and we're created in the, in the image and likeness of God, uh, so it shouldn't surprise us when we see God weep at a funeral, yeah. like you're saying, Brad. Um, so it, it's, uh, to, in one sense, it gives me comfort, uh, but then in, in another sense, it, it gives me a little bit of dread. Uh, because the way that my emotions are expressed in my life don't quite match up with Christ's. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I, I think sometimes we we think about obedience to Christ as being match his good actions one for two, tit for tat, uh, and that's the way you become Christ-like. 
uh, but it's so much more than that. It's it's orienting your heart towards what Christ's heart is is oriented towards, and it's uh, it's not allowing passion to overrule you, but neither is it allowing passion to play no role whatsoever really in good. your day to day life. That's really hard to do, right? Yeah. So what? So for I mean. What was Jesus's North Star? What what helped him to maintain, uh, you know, a, a clear direction despite what he was feeling in any given moment? I mean, it was the will of God. He came to do what the Father sent him to do. And I think that, you know, if he was angry, which the Scriptures tell us he was at various points, it was not because somebody had personally offended his sense of what he deserved or was entitled to. But it was that they had corrupted what God had given for their own ends. You know, whether it was the Sabbath or whether it was the temple. Um, you know, he saw how God's will was being subverted by selfish, sinful people. And so my anger, which typically comes when I'm offended or when one of my family members does something I don't want them to do because it causes me some discomfort, uh, is not good. You know, when I react to that sense of uh, offense with yelling or, uh, you know, maybe not yelling, but cold shouldering. That's not God honoring. But but Jesus was angry, and yet he didn't sin. He he responded appropriately because he was so rooted to what God's will was. And I think, you know, for me, that if I, if somebody were coming to asking me, you know, Brad, I'm, I'm feeling a lot these days, um, and I'm worried maybe I'm not handling it well. Uh, the thing I would want to encourage them to is to root yourself in the scriptures and what God wants for your life, and let that be your north star as you're trying to navigate your emotions. Can Can I say too? I think the thing that that roots roots us or or attaches us to God's will is faith, um, because if you don't believe that God's will for your life is good, when things don't look like they are, <laughs> uh, then you'll be quickly detached from God's will, and, yeah. and sin will win. But if, if you have faith that um, this death, that, that this does not end in death, right? As, as Jesus tells uh, Lazarus' sister, or the disciples, uh, this isn't going to end in death. Why, why would Jesus know that? Because he has, he has faith. He knows that he being God himself, but also uh, the triune God wills and is able to bring Lazarus out of the tomb once again. Um, so, so there's a there's a belief aspect I think as well that's important. I think in discerning what the will of God is, Brad, I, I think emotions have an interesting role to play because I mean, number one, what is our north star? Of course, the will of God. But how can we discern what the will of God is only by His Word? He has yeah. revealed to us what is true, what is good, that we would know his mind and his character and we would walk in step with what he says. And so nothing God would call us to is out of step with what he has declared to be right and good. No matter and, how and, we feel. No matter how we feel. And, and his word warns us mm. of that, right? Your heart is deceitful above all else, right? In Jeremiah and in the Proverbs, guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life. And so in that way, I think we're prone to go to the stoic side. I, I can't trust my feelings. They're not a good radar. They're easily manipulated. And in that way, you're probably right. Yeah. And, and you, you know, good and amen. And yet there is joy in following the Lord, Right rejoice and be glad and and there's all these commands that like living in obedience walking with god day to day loving your wife as christ loved the church uh, not provoking your children to anger giving and being generous uh, they reap a harvest of joy mm -hmm. 
And, and so emotions are at play in our walk, though they don't determine where we walk, I guess, if I had to sum it up that way. Yeah, I think that's good. You know, the the thing we often feel when we're making decisions is we're we're looking for a sense of peace, you know. And uh, I remember my pastor who mentored me when I was trying to decide if I was going to go to seminary or if I was going to stay at my home church and serve uh, with our college ministry. He asked me a question that stuck with me. He said, but Brad, do you have black ink on a white page? You know, and he was driving me, not what do you feel, what feels right, but has God clearly revealed it to you in his word? Do you know that what you're going to do is going to be honoring to him? And and that's stuck with me and really has guided my decision-making process. You know, I, I don't want to trust myself because I've, I've led myself wrong too many times. I want to trust God, and so I always do. I look for that black ink on the white page. If a sense of peace helps you discern what the will of God is, then Christ never would have went to the cross. I mean, that's just plain mm. and simple. I mean, look at the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's really good. I have a lot of friends that um, that this is kind of the, the compass for them, uh, that the, they discern what is true and what is false based on kind of how they feel about it, uh, maybe at the moment or how they felt about it over a long period of time. But ultimately... What happens is Scripture takes a back seat, and the authority shifts from what the Holy Spirit has has written through authors and revealed through the Son, uh, and proclaimed through prophets to us. And uh, I love your line, man. And I'm going to steal it. Feelings make a terrible Holy Spirit. I want to circle back to something Brad said about Jesus was angry and yet he did not sin, because I think. I'm going off the cuff here. This isn't chapter verse, and, and I'm not expositing that scripture. I, I do want to say the reality is that you can't choose how to respond to a situation. I think part of that verse is he was angry. He experienced this emotion, and yet how did he respond to it? He did not sin. That anger did not take control of him. He did not lash out in a way that was sinful. So it, really, the sin part wasn't the emotion you feel, uh, that we can't choose how something makes me feel when when. I come through the doors of my office. If my kid is hiding behind and pops out and says, boo, I'm not like, Hmm, let me go through the, you know, the options that I have. I'm going to choose to be scared in this moment and yell. It, it just, it's instinctual. It pops out of me. I don't choose to jerk my hand away when it touches something hot. You can't control your emotions, but by God's Holy spirit, fruit of the spirit is uh, one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control that I can't choose how to feel about something, but I can choose how to respond to it. And that's kind of the ways the scripture leads us to surf the wave and utilize and yet curb and choke back emotions when they try to take control. Um, that we can't control anxiety when it strikes, but we can pray and calm down and confess it and pray that to the Lord. Um, and I guess, I don't know, maybe you guys can correct me, that, but off the top of my head, I would say, I don't think the fruit of the spirit are emotions. They're goals that we should shoot our emotions at. Yeah, I think that's one where one of the challenging things is for me, though, as a pastor, is really trying to help people disassociate certain emotions, which scientists, you know, brain scientists will tell you a lot of our emotional experience is created by hormones that are released in our brains as we experience certain things from a sensory perspective. We are trained to enjoy fatty and salty foods because a chemical is released in our brain when we do it. That's a biological process that God created us to have. Um, And sometimes happiness, you know, can be conflated with joy. And so what we kind of have to do is untangle the natural human emotions from the 
supernatural spiritual fruits that we want to experience, you know, and, and that is really challenging because some things feel good in life and make us happy that are not what God would have us do. Uh, and so I think that's, that's where I find myself struggling sometimes is, is to dissociate those two things. I'll also say that, man, there's just a lot of junk out there in the world when it comes to emotions. I mean, my kids watched the show Daniel Tiger when they were little. I don't know if you ever saw that. But they have this one song that it's okay to be angry, but it's not, not, not okay to hurt someone. And as we're watching that show when my kids were little, I, I struggle with that a little. Is it okay to be angry? You know, and, and that's to me the, one of the problems I have because anger probably is one of the emotions that we would put on the bad side. You know, Daniel Tiger doesn't have songs guarding us against happiness, but against anger because it's so volatile. <laughs> uh, anger, greed, jealousy, these things, uh, bitterness is one the scriptures talk about. These things are sort of emotions, but they also have such a close connection to actions, whether it's like Jesus saying, hey, uh, you've heard it said, you shall not kill. But I say to you, you know, whoever's angry at his brother has already committed murder in his heart. You know, so is it okay to be angry? And I just think that that's the, the popular psychological environment today tells us that we are justified to feel the way we feel. I think you're, you're hitting on something that's, that's really important. And uh, the way we try to navigate this with our kids, and this is, the, this is not thus saith the Lord. This is I, not the Lord. This is how we navigate this with our kids. This is how we've chosen to do it. It's not the only way. And I'm done caveating, and you do with this what you want. But we choose to acknowledge the feeling. Uh, when uh, my oldest daughter steals something from my son, and he lashes out and goes, ah, I, uh, we, we don't let that slide. You know, we, we step in, I'll, I'll step in and go, Hey, what's happening? And he says, she, you know, she stole something from me. And, da, 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 da. and, and our first step in this is to acknowledge the feeling. What, what do you feel? I'm angry and upset. Why do you feel angry and upset? Because she stole it. So then we talk about justice. What is justice? You were wronged. You were sinned against. And how did that make you feel? Now, just because you feel that way, I want to tell you like, Hey, that happens to me too. People do things I don't want to happen. So, that, so step one, we acknowledge the feeling. Then we try to empathize. That happens to me too. And I feel that way. I get upset when someone does this to me. Da, 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 da. But then we model a way forward. We want to try to create a channel for those emotions to run that take them to the Lord. But when I feel that way, this is what the Lord tells us to do. And this is why. So those are our three steps. We acknowledge the feeling. We empathize to say like, I get why you feel that way. But self-control is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is the proper way to, um, I, I think what we want to, I want to make a distinction between the, the instinctual response of a feeling and the permeation and what we do with it. Not just actual response. How does it come out of us? But how do we let it settle? Uh, when, how do we let the dust settle on our soul? Like, hey, I get the impulse of why you feel angry, but this is what's happening and this is what we should do with it. This is how we should express that moving forward. Yeah, and when it comes to faith, the problem we have as Christians is that since we were two years old, we've learned a pattern of behavior that tells us if we cry when we don't get our way, people will respond to it. And we carry that over into our adult relationships. You know, that if I act this way, I'm going to get people to do what I want. And uh, I think re retraining ourselves to respond appropriately 
is difficult. And I wish my parents were still around to model for me the right way. You know, they are still around. Are they, hey, mom, dad. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, has anything changed? They just, just for clarification, I don't live in their basement. I just, you know. Hey, before we close, can I can I pivot us to one more thing on emotions? Maybe this is a longer episode, but I think we talked about emotions and discerning the will of God. Can we talk about emotions with re- regard to repentance? Uh, what's the difference between repentance and regret? Shame and guilt, uh, those kind of things. The difference for me between guilt and repentance is that a person can feel guilty without ever experiencing change. You know, you regret that you got caught for your sin or for what you did. But that doesn't change the fact that tomorrow you may do the very same thing. But repentance is change. It's a 180-degree turn from the way you were going. And, um, you know, a person who experiences what Paul calls um, a sorrow that leads to repentance does feel, they feel sorry not for getting caught, but they feel sorry that they've offended a just and holy God. They feel sorry that they've uh, gone back on a commitment they made to live their life for Jesus. They feel sorry that they've hurt somebody. And that leads them to change, to repenting, to, to turning and asking God to empower them to be different. And um, without that, you haven't repented, whatever you've done. Can, can you say that shame can only lead to one of two places, an, an, a harder heart than you started with or a softer heart? Because if you experience shame and you refuse to repent, then the only thing that's going to happen to your heart is it's going to increase in its hardness. Yeah. But if that shame leads you to a repentance, then emotion can actually be used as a tool that the Holy Spirit uses. Yeah. And I, I think that finishes the point, really, that Jesus can experience an anger, though he did not sin. And Paul can talk about in Romans 10 that they have a zeal for God. That's an emotion, but not yeah. according to knowledge. Right. And that Paul can say they have a sorrow that leads to repentance that is positive. So the emotion is mm. part and parcel of the spiritual act, but it's not enough on its own. On its own, it can be deceiving. Yeah. On its own, it can lead us down a run. It has to be followed with, um, has to be tethered to, really, I'm going big here, but the gospel. It has to be tethered to the gospel. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to wrap it up there and uh, I just encourage you to join us for the next installment where we're going to talk about our hobbies. I mean, this whole series has just been heavy over wonder, but really how do we tie God's world together with the world we experience every day? And so hobbies are things that we engage in recreation in general. So what does God have to say about our hobbies and can they be holy?